Um, this is the 41st anniversary of the Supreme Court decision to allow, uh, legally allow abortions in our land. And um, so if you're under the age of 41, this has been the way it is for your whole life. It's never been different. This is the norm for you um, as far as the law. Um, and um, it just caused me to think about the schizophrenia of our society. You know, we talk about in our society how we value life. I mean, the whole society says that that's important. They're against war and, and they, they value life. And yet we have this contradictory thing where we say, but it's okay to kill your baby um, as long as the baby's in the womb. And so I, I ran across an article by a pastor named Matt Chandler. It was on um, Tim Challey's website. And it was entitled, um, Abortion, a Pastor's Plea to Not Sit on the Sidelines and Hope the Horrific Genocide of the Unborn Works Itself Out. And this is what he says in the article. I'm going to read part of it. Um, <clears throat> if you're a young woman and you were pregnant in your first or second trimester and you were driving toward the abortion clinic to have an abortion and on the way to the abortion clinic you were hit by a drunk driver and in the course of the accident your baby in the womb was killed. The driver, the drunk driver, of that person is charged with involuntary manslaughter of your baby. But if you make it to the abortion clinic and the doctor in the, the, doctor in the clinic is uh, legally allowed to violently kill and take the life of your baby in the womb. And then he says, the, the author says, this is a seared conscience. This is madness, and this is the air we breathe, and as a society and as a culture. This is the air we breathe as a society. This is the way it is around us all the time. We're, we're immersed in this. Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And then um, in the context of the final judgment in Matthew 25, the Lord says in verse 40, the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. This is what the author says related in that, to that verse. The author of this article then goes on to say, who is more vulnerable, who is more the least of these than the unborn? Who is more fragile? Who is more in need of more protection? Who is in need of more help than the unborn? So what are we to do as the people of God? So he poses that question. Then he gives several suggestions, two of which I want to just elaborate on a little bit because I think they really applied. It really convicted me and... Uh, I just think we need to be aware of it. One, he says, we need to pray. <clears throat> and he said the, the primary 
issue here is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. People's eyes are blinded and their hearts are hardened. And there needs to be an unveiling of the eyes and a softening of the heart. And so we need to pray. Um, he says, <clears throat> with all the scientific and technological advances that we have available to us, we know this is a human being. We know that's true. And not to be moved to do something about it shows that a person's eyes are blinded and their conscience is hardened. So just to be unmoved to see, to know that there's thousands and millions of babies that have been killed, to be unmoved by that. We need to be stirred. And we need these reminders occasionally because we're so much, it's just, we're so much a part of it. And it's so no such a normal way of life in our country anymore. Uh, so we need to stir ourselves up by way of reminder. And he, he mentions um, some things to pray about. Um, he says that we can pray for um, the people that are considering abortion, to pray for them, that the Lord would change their mind. You know, what they're doing at Lifeline is they counsel with people. And who knows how many babies have been saved through the counseling at Lifeline. Who knows how many people have maybe changed their, their mind when they, they, they're jolted into thinking that, man, that's right, this is, I'm killing a baby. You know, when you see these signs up, don't, we don't know. But we know that there are some hard consciences. Terry recently found an article that was, um, it was a few months ago. She read me this article, or read me a part of this article. And um, <clears throat> the woman who was writing it is a pro-abortion. And she said that we have to quit denying the fact that the unborn is not a person. Scientifically, we know it's a person. But she still maintains that it's right for the it's the right of the woman to choose to kill her baby. See that that to me is just that's just hard. That's blind. Um, but we need to pray. We need to pray for the people considering abortion. We need to pray for the judges in the land who are making rulings, insane rulings, not just about abortion, but a lot of things. But pray for our, our judges. Pray for our leaders. <clears throat> we need to pray for people that are working in abortion clinics. We need to pray for them. You know, we've heard testimonies of people that have been in abortion clinics working, and suddenly they can't do it anymore. Yeah. What is that? That's the God just pricking their conscience. I can't do that. This is wrong. And so we need to pray for those people. And we need to pray for groups like Right to Life and... Lifeline pregnancy that are dealing, dealing with this issue on a regular basis. We need to keep them in our prayers. The second thing he says that would be we need to do is we need to support these efforts of people who are trying to save lives. We need to support those efforts. And in the local community here, we, the two that we've mentioned this morning, and there may be others, there may be other churches that have some things ongoing in their churches, but we know of two that are very active in our community to help save lives of these unborn. And that is Lifeline Pregnancy Center and the, right, the Missouri Right to Life chapter here. 
And <clears throat> you can support them through prayer, surely, but also monetarily, even like these little baby bottles, and um, through volunteer work, just helping them if there's some work that they need done. <clears throat> you know, the Right to Life chapter here has just two events each year that they try to solicit help from the churches and the community for. And one, you've seen all these flags around town and out at the churches in different places and these signs. That's one of them. And the other is the life chain in October that we have. <clears throat> and all of these efforts are an attempt to remind people that there's lives at stake, that lives are being taken. It's, it's, a, it's a reminder to say, no, this is wrong, to their yes. See, it's what it, and we need to be stirred up and reminded of that. So we need to be able to support these uh, groups. <clears throat> I was re reading, whenever, we, whenever you take a stand against the sin in your society or your culture, it's not popular. And um, I was reminded in Acts 7 where Stephen was um, stoned there in Acts 7, and he's telling the Jews that were how stiff-necked and hard they were in rebelling against God. Just stiff-necked, stubborn, re refusing to hear the word of God, refusing to bow to God. And it's interesting what that says uh, in verse 57 of Acts 7. But they cried with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. Just don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. So we shouldn't be surprised if that's the response we get when you start speaking out against sin. That's the, no that's the normal response. The author makes this comment, <clears throat> our society has the mindset of convenience instead of doing what's morally right. Convenience instead of doing what's morally right. Tim Challies had another uh, article that was linked to, it was, on, it was on kind of the archives, but it was written by a fellow named John Enzer. And John Enzer is a vice president of Heartbeat International, and he's an author. And he took part in the march in Washington, and you know when they do the on January 22nd each year they march on Washington. And it was in 2009 that he took part in this. He said, and I just want to read this because it's so so clear. Today I join hundreds of thousands of in Washington D.C. the annual March for Life to publicly lament the death of 50 million preborn children and to pray for the day when abortion becomes unthinkable. In doing so, I acknowledge the resistance and even offense taken by many <clears throat> by asserting that abortion is the moral issue of our day. I am familiar with the claim that asserts equal concern for poverty, global warming, AIDS prevention, war, and more. All of these appear to me worth researching and debating as iron sharpens iron as to the various causes and possible solutions but abortion is not on par. I remember how when I came to this conclusion. It was the week of February 12, 1990, as marked on the Newsweek magazine I was reading. Kim Flodden, in an article on why she did not countermarch for abortion rights, wrote, I was pregnant. 
I carried two unborn children and I chose, for completely selfish reasons, to deny them life so that I could better my own. There was no, there it was, a momentary lapse into honest, concrete language about abortion from an advocate. No ancient Baal worshiper could have described the reason for the child sacrifice better. I was stunned that it had to be stated so plainly for me to grasp the preeminent evil of it. It is not one issue among equal concerns. Abortion is our post-modern version of child sacrifice for the me generation. As such, it is an incomprehensible and unthinkable evil. And so these efforts that we have in our two local um, organizations to get the word out and to try to counsel people not to have abortions and to say that this isn't right to have abortions <clears throat> and putting these little flags up. These efforts are an attempt to speak up for what's right and speak about the evil of abortion. <clears throat> it may seem like a little thing to just do that, but I'm reminded of that quote by Hudson Taylor that missionary to China. A little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing. And it's a big thing to God to faithfully, faithfully go about doing that. And so we need to pray. We need to pray for the efforts that, that Jim and Nora are heading up there with the right to life. We need to pray for uh, the counseling that goes on at Lifeline Pregnancy Center. We need to pray. And, that, and we need to be involved with some of these organizations and lend our support in any way we can. And then <clears throat> the last thing I wanted to mention is that we have to be on guard of just getting used to the way things are um, and not just accept it as normal. We don't ever want to get to the place where we accept this as the norm, even though legally it is the norm. Morally, it is not the norm.